If you are in Christ, you are in a battle continually to lead you astray. If you are not in Christ, you are in a continual battle to keep you away. It does not end. Some would sit back and say, well, pastor, I don't want to be in a war. Folks, it's not an option. Well, I just won't be a Christian. Then you've already lost because you're still in the war. You're still in the war. Oh, come on. You're still in the war. You just have no way to win. But if you're a Christian, you have the winning side with you. His name is Jesus Christ, God Almighty. Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Centers or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Now with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. I want to talk to you today about another war. The title of your message, Are We at War? Did you notice a question mark? And then I put an exclamation point, but, but this is Christianity. It's supposed to be peace and love, and joy, and kumbaya, my friend, kumbaya. I love that song. I'm not so thrilled about what it's become, the mantra of passive Christianity. Just like there is a physical war going on all over the world, you and I are in a battle that's being waged every day, every way, everywhere. But it's a battle in the spirit realm. And as Christians, we must know this battle is existing. I'm going to stop right there, and I want you to look at me quickly. By virtue of the fact that I'm going to do this series over the next few weeks, many of you will go through things. Because this is how the enemy works. This is his strategy. The Bible teaches that a devil exposed is a devil defeated. When you see the devil for who he is, when you see the enemy for who he is, he will be defeated in your life. But let me make this statement. When the devil is exposed, he starts showing up because he wants to see how naked he really is. Do you understand what I'm saying? He starts showing up. You say, well, pastor, then why the heck would you preach something like that? Because he's showing up already. We're just too ignorant to know it. And I don't say ignorant as a derogatory term. 
Much of Christianity has chosen to take the A-N-T off the end to ignore the war. And we go through stuff and we just think, well, it's just life. But it's not. And the more we understand the enemy, the more victorious in life we become. People look at me and they say, Pastor, why do things not bother you? Things bother me, ladies and gentlemen. I wish I could say they never do. But they don't bother me like they bother most people. Why? Because I understand the enemy. Do you say, well, I have a patent. I understand everything. Oh, no, no. I'm still learning. I've only been doing this for 30 plus years, so I got a lot to learn yet. But I purpose to understand. You see, as Christians... We're not in a physical battle. We're in a spiritual battle. Ephesians 6 says we are fighting against evil rulers, authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers of darkness who rule this world, and against wicked spirits in heavenly places. Now today we're going to have scripture on the screen. And I'm going to get to Ephesians 6. I just read the 12th verse. But I desperately today, I ask you, follow the scriptures. Mark in your Bible. Take your notes home with you. Study this. You will obtain victory you've never had in your life if you will do so. Why? Because the enemy is a very deceptive foe. And he shows up. In 1 Corinthians, he says, as an angel of light. It goes on to say, as ministers of righteousness. I'm going to deal with a whole list of names of Satan that you have at the back of your notes. Just in a very brief overview, but then next week we're going to get into a little more detail with it. Why? Because sadly most Christians do not even realize they're in a battle. Because most churches won't deal with the subject of spiritual warfare. Why? It'll offend people. I'm going to make a statement that's going to come across a little difficult, and some are not even going to accept, but I want you to listen carefully to this statement. Christianity is not a playground, it is a battleground. Church is not a game, it is a matter of eternal life and death. You say, Pastor, those are pretty serious words. You ought to read the Bible. It has a lot more serious things to say about it. Are you all, is everybody okay this morning? I state these things as we get into this message. Why? Because you and I are either going to win or lose this war. You and I are either going to, are either going to gain ground or we're going to lose ground. You and I are either going to advance or we're going to retreat. The question is, which will it be? It's not up to God and it's not up to the devil. God has all authority. The devil has power, and we'll talk about it. But you all and I are the deciding factor. Someplace in my Bible, it says, greater is he that's in me. Someplace in my Bible, it says, all power in heaven and earth was given to him, and he gave it to us. Which will it be? Win, lose. Gain, lose ground. Advance, retreat. These are tough 
decisions, ladies and gentlemen, but decisions just the same that have to be made. Ever since before the fall of Satan, and we'll talk about the fall of Satan next week a little bit. Because I want you to understand this war didn't start here on earth. The Bible says it started in heaven. So let's jump into our notes. Number one, spiritual warfare is a reality that you and I must all understand. Can I have somebody say amen? Amen. So important is it, or was it for the early church and for the 21st century church, look what Paul wrote as he is concluding this, this understanding of spiritual warfare and how to defeat it. Or he's actually beginning of it, and he tells us how to defeat it. Listen to what he says in your notes. Underline this. As a final word. Is that, did I leave that in your notes? As a, underline that. Paul so importantly thought to give us understanding. He said, one final thought, ladies and gentlemen. One final word, my brothers and sister. Be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. And then he tells us how to do that by putting on the armor of God. And he says, what will happen if we put on the armor of God? And not just a piece of it, the whole armor. He says, if you do, you will be able to stand firm against all. Underline that in your notes. All the strategies and tricks of the devil. For we are not fighting against people. Can I say that again? How many here ever got offended? Lift your hand up high. Come on, be honest. How many did I offend you? Come on, not so many hands, please. It's a fact. You know why? You see that word people? I is one. Not good English, I know, but it's good preaching. Folks, I'm people. People say, well, I'm looking for the perfect church. Don't join, please. We're imperfect enough. We don't need any help. Okay, pastor, what about, is this church the perfect church? It could be. Well, how can we make it perfect? Get all of you out of it. And me too. And then lock the door when the building's empty. Perfect church. The problem is it's not the Lord's church. The Lord's church is filled with people. Imperfect people. Is it imperfect or imperfect? M. Okay, thank you. Some of you Bible scholars and you theologians and English folks out there are saying, what in the world are we listening to? We flesh, we battle not against flesh and blood, against people, but against the evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against those mighty powers of darkness. Underline those words, would you please? Mighty powers of darkness. It's not a game. It's not a game. Who rule what? You thought Jesus was ruling the world, didn't you? Uh Uh-oh. I'm going to step on some toes now. These mighty powers of darkness who do what? Rule this world. In the garden, Adam and Eve gave dominion over to the enemy. You say, well, pastor, that was in the garden. Jesus died at Calvary and everything's done. Remember what the temptations of the wilderness... If Satan didn't rule the world, he could have never offered Jesus the kingdoms of the world. Jesus never denied it. 
Matter of fact, Jesus said, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. If there were not wolves in the world, that means he would be in charge of the world. But there's somebody else still ruling until that day, that day when all the power of the enemy will be defeated. And he said, the last enemy, death, will be defeated. Are you with me? Ladies and gentlemen, we are in a war. Who rule this world? And against spirits, against wicked spirits, where are they located? In the heavenly realms, in the spirit world. And then I go on, I didn't leave it in your notes, but you can add it in there, verses 13 and 14. He said, therefore, put on the full armor of God, that when the evil day comes, you'll be able to stand. And after you've stood, stand. When that day comes, stand your ground. And when you've done everything, keep standing. Why? When you fight, it becomes heaven's war. And guess who's bigger than the devil? Come on, somebody get excited in this place. As I said earlier, most Christians have very little teaching on this, in this area. So what I want to do over the next few weeks is I want to take some time. You say, Pastor, you're going to do this for a few weeks? Man, I'm going to have to miss a few weeks of church. I wouldn't. Why? Because this is going to arm you against the lies of hell. Letter A, there is an invisible world just as real as this visible world. Over the next few weeks, I'm going to try my very best to lay down some basic fundamentals and help us to see the realities of this world today and over the next few weeks, some victorious armament that will help you and I to live that victorious life. We are living in an invisible world simultaneously with a visible world. If God, in his sovereignty, was to roll back the, the, uh, the canvas of heaven, if you will, it would blow our minds what would be present in this room right here. It would blow our minds... What the spirit world looked like. You say, Pastor, describe the spirit world. I left it in your notes. The world of God and Satan. The world of angels and demons. The world of heaven and hell. A very real place. But the problem is, is most of us are so governed to look at things that we do see, hear, touch, smell, or taste. I mean, I sit up here and I say, well, you know, what's real? Well, this Bible is real. These clothes on my back is real. This lunch that I want you to shut up as fast as you can that I can go to is real. Oh, I'm sorry. That was just me thinking. Yeah. A lot of people sit back and say, oh, this spirit stuff. Doesn't that come, Pastor, from you watching too much stuff on TV? No. It comes from me reading this Bible and understanding this world that we live in. This tangible, this real world. It's almost, you know, in a, <laughs> I saw the movie, what would, how many years ago to come out called The Matrix? That was a freaky movie to me. Do you know why? It was a picture of the real and the spirit world. Oh, it was computers and all that junk. 
Ladies and gentlemen, it's a picture of the world I live in. And you live in. Do you think it's by chance that these supernatural movies have taken so much of our presence and our time and our energy? We know this stuff is real. We won't admit it, but deep in our spirit, we understand. You know, this whole junk, oh no, there's no werewolves and demons, or uh, um, bloodsucker guys, what do they call them? Vampires, thank you. But that is a very real world. The demonic world, the angelic world. Here's the difficulty is we can experience the tangibles. Why? Because God had given us the senses. But the invisible things that we cannot see or hear or touch or smell or taste, most of the time we tend to think of them as not real or at least maybe of a lesser level of reality than the visible world. But this could be no further from the truth. Let's go back to our text. We wrestle not against people. The King James says against flesh and blood. We wrestle not against people. How many have problems with people? How many are the problem with people? There's a battle behind the scenes. And I say behind very loosely because it's all around us. It's in this world. Our battle is against the evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world who rule this world. We exist in this two, these two dimensions, if you will, simultaneously. The invisible is described as the place where the angelic and the demonic exist. But listen to me. It's also the place where Christ and all believers exist at the same time. You see, we are a physical being, but we are a spirit. And there are times in my Christian life where God's allowed me to peek into that spiritual realm. And it's a scary place. It's a wonderful place, some of the things that I've seen, but some, you know, my wife, you know, I'll flip through the channels every once in a while and I'll, and I'll stop. I'll see Harry Potter on. And I'll stop and say, hmm. I'll stop and I'll look at, uh, what are these vampire shows called? What are they called? I just want to make sure you guys are watching them, right? Yeah. Oh, I kind of snuck that one in there, didn't I? But just to see what it is. Now, they have a semblance of reality. The creatures and all that kind of junk I don't think are real, though they might be, demonically speaking. But I don't watch those kind of movies because I've seen the real deal. It's scary. I've seen things run through my house. Say, Pastor, what are they doing in your house? Same thing they do in your house. Same thing. They have no authority there. They're just hoping to get a moment of fear. How many, let me ask you, let's have how many thought you saw something that wasn't there? Lift your hand up high. Say, Pastor, you're going to admit us, aren't you? No, I'm going to admit that you saw something. The Bible says in Hebrews that we entertain angels unaware. 
Asiel could be an angel. Not this Asiel, but there could be a person that shows up that looks just like a real guy. That's really an angel. Ivan could be a demon. Why did I make that choice? I'm not sure, but my point is there's a real guy or a real gal. How many ever found the devil with the red dress on? Come on, you boys, be honest. Oh, I can't. My wife's sitting here. She already saw her too. Oh, some of you wives got this smug look on your face. Yeah, we saw him seeing her too. We exist in these two planes, ladies and gentlemen. Ephesians 1 says, God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing, where? In heavenly realms. Ephesians 1.19, he is the same mighty power that raised up Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand, where? In heavenly realms. Ephesians 2.6, he raised up, us up, from the dead along with Christ and we are seated where? It doesn't say we will be seated. Where are we seated? In heavenly realms. Why? Because we are one with Christ. Beyond the seen world is an unseen world where the spirit, all that is spiritual dwells. It is in this invisible world that we fight the powers that seek to do us harm. We are involved in an invisible war. A cosmic conflict with eternal implications. You say, Pastor, why'd you use cosmic? It just sounded cool together. Cosmic conflict. It just sounded really cool. Let's go to the book of Daniel. I can go Genesis to Revelation and give you, give you example after example after example. Daniel is there. The angel of the Lord said, don't be afraid, Daniel, since the first day you began to pray for understanding. Underline that, please, because this is critical to spiritual warfare, that word understanding. And then to humble yourself, underline humble yourself. Before God... Your request was heard. When was the request heard, ladies and gentlemen? When? The first day. The very moment you pray, your prayer is heard. The very moment you lift your voice, it is heard. And listen what most folks believe. This is, this is uh, Gabriel, the messenger angel who came to bring this message to Daniel. He said, I have come to answer your prayer. What was the thing that Daniel did the very first day? Prayed. He said, I've come to answer your prayer. But 21 days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. Now, look at me for a second. There is a real Persia. You know what today's Persia is called? Iraq. Back then it was called Persia. There is a real prince of Persia. Today his name is Ahmadinejad. But there is a real demon prince that really runs the country of Persia. Don't get quiet on me. I'm not trying to get too spiritual here. I'm trying to give you understanding. For 21 days, Daniel, look what he was doing. 
The spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. There was a battle going on. And so powerful was the demon spirit, the Bible says that he had to send for the most powerful angel the scripture tells us about, the angel Michael. Most people believe that the demon spirit that was overcharge of all of the battles of scripture was a demon spirit named Samael, S-A-M-A-E-L. Okay, that you go back into the history and, and you know, the scholars have, have understood this through the scriptures. A demon spirit, not Satan himself. Ladies and gentlemen, we never deal with the devil himself. He said there was a battle. I had to call for Michael and turn the whole thing over to him so I could come and finish. And look what he says. And I left him there. You see, there's so much we don't understand about Daniel, about all of this perspective. We don't understand about Job. We don't understand about Psalms. All the different places that talk about the angelic war. You say, well, Pastor, you said angelic. I thought they were demons. That's what the demons are, are the fallen angels. So is an angelic war, whether it's the demon side or the God side. Can you say amen? There's much we don't understand, but it's obvious there was a war taking place between devils and angels. And there's a conflict going on. And you and I are in the middle of it. You say, Pastor, I don't like this preaching. You better start liking it. As the days approach of the approach of Jesus Christ is closer and closer, we're going to deal with more and more. I was praying, and I, I always pray, God, give me some direction where I'm going with all this stuff. On Wednesday night, we're going to end our Romans book here in about probably three weeks, four weeks. After that, I'm going to start a series on the strategies of Satan. You do not want to miss it. On Wednesday night. Y'all don't go on Wednesday night. You want to come to this Wednesday night. We're going to do this, this series here on spiritual warfare and the church. And then on Wednesday nights, I'm going to go right into the strategies. Why? We have to not be ignorant of what the enemy is doing. I was reading an article I shared with my wife. Pastors are falling like flies all over the country. Three of the biggest churches in Orlando, Florida in the last six months, all three of their pastors have fell. The devil is working overtime. Pastor, what about you? Pray for me. Pray for me. See, the devil will do anything to do what? To destroy the work of of God. Let me take you back to the scripture, another picture of war. Elijah, Elisha, excuse me, and his servant Gehazi. Lord, what should we do? He says. Their, their whole place where they stayed is, is surrounded by the Syrian army. I believe it was a Syrian, a Syrian army. I don't remember which one it was. And he cried, Elisha, what do we do? And Elisha said, don't be afraid, for there are more, underline this please, there are more on our side than on their side. And look what Elijah asked, Lord, open his eyes that he can see. Let's go back to Daniel. Began to pray for understanding. 
understanding. Open their eyes. Open the eyes of his understanding that he might be able to see. And when the servant's eyes were open, what happened? He saw the hillside was filled with horses and chariots of fire. You see, ladies and gentlemen, God is always ready to battle on your behalf and mine. Whether it's Daniel's battle, whether it's Elijah's battle, whether it's your battle and mine, God is just waiting for someone to stand up and say, God, let me see the victory is mine. And he said, I will. The battle will be be mine. Oh, victory is ours. And the battle is the Lord's. But here's the problem. 2 Corinthians 4. Satan, the God of this world. Underline that in your notes, ladies and gentlemen. Satan, the God of this world. Let me ask you something. If Satan wasn't the God of this world, do you think the scripture would say he was? I'm trying to give us an understanding here. It is not kumbaya time. It is war time. Pastor, you're sure not going to build a church very well that way. It's good. It's not my job. It's God's job to build the church. My job was to equip his people. Listen what it says. The God of this world has done what? Blinded the minds of those who don't believe but also those that want to believe. Why do I say that? Because that word blind of the minds means conceals their understanding that they can't see. The world, because they don't want to see. The church, because they choose not to see. Are you with me today? They don't understand, it goes on to say, the message that is preached because the God of this world has blinded their minds. Even this morning in this room, some of you may sit here and I have struggled understanding what I'm saying. It is because there is a spiritual war that you are engaged in, that I am engaged in, that the enemy is trying to blind our minds to the truth of God's word. In your notes, underline this, if you are in Christ, you are in a battle continually to lead you astray. If you are not in Christ, you are in a continual battle to keep you away. It does not end. Some would sit back and say, well, pastor, I don't want to be in a war. Folks, it's not an option. Well, I just won't be a Christian. Then you've already lost. Because you're still in the war. You're still in the war. Oh, come on. You're still in the war. You just have no way to win. But if you're a Christian, you have the winning side with you. His name is Jesus Christ, God Almighty. I'm sorry, I get, get, get a little excited here. I did, I read the back of the book. It says who wins. Did you read that? I even read the glossary. I won. If you're going to be battling, shouldn't you at least be on the winning side? Well, uh, uh, peace, not war. Okay. I'll give you the olive branch. Go get the box ready, because you're dead. 
Take that one off the tape, okay? Yeah. I don't want to be in. Folks, it's not an option. If you are alive, breathing on this planet, you're in the war. The only option, the winning side or the losing side. 2 Corinthians says, we are human, but we don't wage war with human plans or methods. We use God's mighty weapons, not mere worldly weapons, to knock down the devil's strongholds. God is calling his church to engage Satan in warfare. But our weapons are not physical. Ladies and gentlemen, don't get into an arguing match with somebody over the word of God. It's not to debate. It's not to defend. It's to believe and live. Jesus is our defense. Our weapons, our prayer, the confession of our faith, the word of God. The decision that must be made today is whether or not we will take up the weapons of God. Because, ladies and gentlemen, those that are not in Christ, if we do not take up these weapons, there are eternal implications for them and us. We need to begin to honestly consider if satanic opposition is not what is causing much of the struggle that you are dealing with, the relational conflicts and the misunderstandings about the things of God in your life every day with the people you familiarize yourself with. Number two, so who is this enemy? We understand him. His name is Satan. But what we don't, and I say this very lovingly, ladies and gentlemen, is most of us don't understand the enemy. Our foe is very strong, and he is not to be disrespected. He has one goal, he has one purpose, and that is to destroy you and I, that he can discredit the cause of Christ. Now, I'm not a big sports guy. People, you know, I was at a meeting yesterday, and I talked about our men's meeting that's going to be starting back up the third Monday of June. And one of the guys in this meeting Spouted up, well, that's Monday night football. I said, okay, well, one night a month you can change gods. Where where did that come from? Just, okay. Humor. I'm not big in sports, but I am big in strategy. I understand the strategy of hell as much as I can. You know what sports teams do? They study the opponent. Looking for every weakness, every flaw, every chink in their armor. Ladies and gentlemen, it's no different with Satan. While we don't want to give him more power than he really has, we make a huge mistake if we think he and his demonic army have no power at all. First Peter 5 says, Be careful. Watch out for the attacks of the devil who is your great enemy. Why? He walks about, underline this, like a roaring lion. He's not a lion, but he walks about as a roaring lion. Satan 
is a present reality in your life and mine, whether we like it or not. His cohorts, his demons, and he wants nothing more than to destroy your faith, to take away our credibility, and to lead us to stumble into sin. John chapter 10 verse 10 says, The thief comes not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. So if you and I are not prepared for these attacks, what are we going to do? Fall. If we are not prepared for the battle. In Jude chapter 9, we find a very reminiscent picture of something in Daniel. The archangel Michael, who was at war with the enemy, fighting over the body of Moses. Listen what it says. He would not even level a blasphemous curse against the devil. Why? Because he knew his place. He knew his position. He knew his office. Let me tell you something about war. Some of you military folks out here, you can uh, concede this point. In war, if they capture an officer, they still respect him as an officer, even though he's a prisoner. They respect his position. They understand the way authority works in war. You and I need to understand the devil has power. His authority was ripped away, but he still has power to operate. And Michael knew that, and he said, devil, not going to do it. God's going to deal with you. God's going to take care of you. This very portion of Scripture sheds light on how we should view Satan. Though he is an arch enemy of God and a fallen angel... God is letting us understand, as Michael wouldn't impugn his dignity, we need to understand and respect this military genius named Satan. We would be foolish to do anything else. Can you say amen? Let me wrap this up this morning. I talk about respecting him, but let me say something very clear. You respect him, you don't fear him. He is a defeated foe. Just like those prisoners, it might be a colonel, it might be a mighty military man, a mighty decorated man, but he has no power in that place. No, no, excuse me, no authority in that place. Oh, he can still command his other guys in there if he tried to, which is probably why they would separate him, I don't know. Though we respect, we don't fear. Though we know his methods, we are not to be preoccupied by them. The scripture gives us this understanding because he helps us to see that we are to go into battle with respect and understanding if we're going to obtain victory over the enemy. Ephesians chapter 6. Paul wrote there and said, this final thought, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Listen to me. Be strong in the Lord, and the power of his might. He didn't say be strong in the church. He didn't say be strong in the pastor. He didn't say be strong in your memorization of scripture. All of these things are good, but he said be strong in, in what? And the power of, his might. 
when Michael was battling against Lucifer, he said, I'm not going to say anything. I know who you are. God's going to deal with you. That's why you'll hear me humorously say, you know, oh, Mr. Ugly Breath is here. Oh, I'm not despairing his power. Just telling a fact. He breathes on you. Fear, torment, temptation, aggravation, agitation. But we need to understand that if we're going to overcome, we put on the whole armor of God in your notes. Then we can stand against the strategies and tricks. Paul agreed in the Corinthian church to forgive a situation. Listen to what he says. My letter focus wasn't on punishing the offender, but on getting you to take responsibility for the health of the church. Look at me, ladies and gentlemen. If you let the things that happen in the church affect you, you destroy the health of the church. You can't do that. People say, well, pastor, what's happening? Stuff. What does it happen in other churches? Every church. Why? Because we're here. We're here. I love John. But John got problems. Can you say amen, John? I got problems. But I got a problem solver. His name is Jesus Christ. He said, for the health of the church, I forgive and I move on. I don't carry around grudges. The fact is, I'm joining with you in this forgiveness, just as Christ did. And he guided us. Because if we don't, we unwittingly give Satan an opening for even more mischief. Let me name some quick names of Satan. We'll get into this a little more next week. His very names describe what you're dealing with, what I'm dealing with. The name we know him the most by is Satan. That literally means adversary. He is always posed against you. There is never a good day for the devil. You say, well, the devil's having a bad day. Every day is a bad day for the devil. He knows his days are short, and he's doing everything to destroy. The word devil, which is the second major word that we know him by, means slanderer. The next time somebody says something bad about you, just think of the source. You say, well, pastor, you're a good Christian person listening to a bad demonic spirit. You mean even good Christian people? Yeah. Don't get quiet on me. Another one that we know him by is Lucifer. The word Lucifer literally means the son of the morning. The Bible says that he was one of the most anointed, the most powerful angels in heaven. He was the anointed cherub that covereth. And that means that he was actually the one over the throne room of God. The Bible says that he was the minstrel of heaven. Created in him, you can find in the book of Isaiah or Ezekiel, one of those two. It says that every instrument was created in him. Why do you think music has the power it has in the world? 
He was the worship leader of heaven. He knows music. More than that, he knows how to affect you and I with it. The son of the morning. He's Beelzebub. These are some of the different names, which means prince of demons. Belial means something without profit of any kind. The evil one, the tempter, the prince of the world, the accuser of the brethren. He is represented as a serpent, a dragon, and even an angel of light. These are the pictures. This is why you can have in the church somebody that looks wonderful on the outside, but be a ravening wolf on the inside. How does Satan attack the church? False philosophies. You know, peace, not, not war. False religions. False ministers. Pastor, how do I know a false minister? If anything they're doing is disagreeing with this. I have meetings periodically with our leaders. And I'll tell them, folks, it's hardly ever about righting wrong. It's about doing right in the midst of the wrong. Say, Pastor, what if somebody thinks they're right and I think I'm right at the same time? Well, who's right? The one that's lining up with this. I don't care who they are. They can be the greatest thing in the world. If it's not lining up with this, they're wrong. You want me to say that again? If it is contrary to God's word, it's wrong. I don't care who they are. False doctrines, false disciples, false morals. And I left a bunch of scripture in your Bible or in your notes for you to look at. Understand Satan attacks God's people. How? By directing governments. Somebody say amen or oh me. By deceiving people. By destroying life. By persecuting the saints. By raising up a pride in you. Pride is a good thing as long as you have it. It just cannot have you. By preventing people from getting involved in the things of God. In the service of God. By promoting schisms. Well I just don't like this. And all of a sudden you bring a bunch of people around you to shore up what you don't like. That's called schisms. Planting doubt. Producing sex or cults. Worry. A lot of people I've had over the years say, Pastor, if I didn't have worry, I wouldn't have any gifts. I'd be checking on that gift. Provoking sin. You ever get around those people that you say, oh, it's a beautiful blue sky, but they look like, oh, there's a cloud that's going to rain. You know the pessimists? Those are the ones that feel good when they feel bad for fear they're going to feel worse when they feel better. You know who I'm talking about. Anger, self-reliance, discouragement, worldliness, lying, immorality. This is how the enemy assaults God's people. But I want to close this morning by telling you this very clearly. Satan's power is limited. He is a created being. He is not omniscient. He is not infinite. He can be resisted and overcome by the Christian because God placed limitations on him. I pray that these next few weeks will be victorious weeks in your life. In my life, Satan 
knows, as the Bible says, his days are numbered. And there's going to be a a day, the Bible says, during the tribulation, where Satan is actually going to be loosed. You say, Pastor, I thought he's already loosed on the earth. We'll talk about a little bit about this next week. Understand, he is loosed, but he's captive. He can only do certain things. And he can do nothing. Nothing. Say that with me. Nothing without God's permission. Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. I'm Joe Harding. For Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Centers, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast.